I'm just going to go right on into the message today because it goes so well with their story. How many of you love that story this morning? Come on. How many of you love that story? Man, that's the real deal right there. Um, you know, as I've been ministering to you the past several weeks over steps to healing our hearts, and I've really been focused on one word, disappointment, disappointment, because whenever there's any disappointment in our life and we don't make it redemptive, like Sean was saying, if we, if we can't walk in forgiveness, Sometimes it's redemptive for you. Sometimes you're praying for others so it can be redemptive for them. Whatever the situation and circumstance is, it's never really about anyone else. It's only about us. It's about how we handle a situation. It's about how we deal with stuff. And, and as today as I minister to you, I'm going to minister again on the fourth one, but I, I talked to you about the four keys, really, the four steps that it takes to bring healing to your heart. And the first one is to be honest with God, right? You know, sometimes you just got to go before him and weep. Sometimes you just got to go before him and cry. Sometimes, you know, just whatever it is, you just got to come before the throne. You got to make sure things are right. And, and it really has to do with that, that your heart and that your heart not condemn you. And then I talked to you about faith during that segment because faith is knowing God's ability and trusting his nature. Knowing the ability of God, but trusting his nature. You know, we know his power, his miracles, his signs, his wonders. I mean, we believe, you know, all things are possible through God who believe him and in him and all that. It's good to know about his ability. It's good to know about his power. But see, that really doesn't do you that much good until you trust his nature. Well, his nature is what? His nature is his heart. And until you really trust his heart and know that he's a good, good God and he's a good, good father and all his heart and all his desire is for you is really to bring you into his presence at a greater level, to know him and to know his heart. You know, when we want to know what God really thinks and what he loves and what he hates, just read the words written and read in your Bible because Jesus was God in the flesh. The Son of God, part of the, the Trinity. He's our Lord, our Savior. And as he walked, as he spoke, and whatever he condemned, let it be condemned. Whatever he blessed, let it be blessed. That was God in the flesh. And so when we begin to know and to trust God's nature, then we can realize that he can heal our hearts, that he can do anything, even those things that we seem that it's so hard for us to forgive ourselves for. I think the biggest thing I see, especially if I'm going to pray with someone and it's in those final days of their life and, and, and it's, you know, that, 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 I call it kind of that final bad experience, really. It's, it's, it's that. And, and when I'm trying to lead someone to the Lord, I always pray before I get there when they haven't came to Christ and if I'm praying, and I just pray, Lord, give them the ability today to forgive themselves. It's not really about God or God's ability. They beat themselves up and say, well, I'm such a hypocrite. Why would I give my life to God now? Because, you know, I've lived this way my whole life. That's not right. And even if I wanted to, God's going to reject me anyway. Why would God forgive someone like me? Why would God forgive me after all the times I've said no and even laughed at him and laughed at others? And it really comes to that part of trusting his nature, that his heart is pure, that his heart is for you 
and not against you at all times. And then the second principle I talked to you about, hello, Echo, you can turn the monitors down probably since I'm down here, Lenny. Thanks, buddy. Uh, the second one is listen to God. We, we got to be listeners. We, and I talked to you about, you know, Psalms is a great place to go, man. When you get into Psalms, you see the ups and the downs and the fun stuff and the sad stuff and the laughing stuff. And like David said, man, Lord, you set your enemies around my table. You dressed my table with my enemies sitting around it. And then he starts talking about how God brought victory through that. And what I want you to realize is, is that we got to get into the word of God. And get into the Word of God to what, to not only that you know about the Word of God, but you can understand God's nature through it. Not only that you can understand God's nature through the Word of God, but you start speaking the Word of God over your life and over situations till the point that it becomes that you're no longer reading about God or speaking God's words, but you're reading about you and you're hearing your voice. You see, that's what listening to God is. Listening is is comprehending, it's, it's drinking it, it's taking it in and then applying it to your life. And then, then I shared with you the third step, receive the peace of God. You see, we, we got to come to a place where that we realize that it's more than what we know. It's more than what we understand. I mean, we can assume a lot of things and we know things in part and see things in part, even in the spirit. But here's what we got to realize is it all comes down to trust in his nature and his nature and his love because he first loved us is where it's all at. And when I realize that he first loved me, that gives me the ability to love him back at a higher level level. And, and here's the key. If you don't give up the right to understand, you will never receive the peace that passes all understanding. If you never give up the right to understand, you'll never receive the peace that passes all understanding. It's okay to question God. It's okay to question situations and circumstances. But sooner or later, when you get your answers, if they're not the answers you want or you think you should have, you still got to trust. And if you'll just trust him and do what his word says and trust him and cry out to him and be transparent with him and keep his word in you and his, his voice in you and begin to speak it, believe me, you'll receive what Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, that you will receive peace that transcends all understanding and give you the joy that's unspeakable. Because here's the thing, if I'm trying to hold unforgiveness and peace, I can't hold but one thing at a time. When you're thinking a thought, you can't hold but one thought at a time in your mind. You can go from thought to thought. You might think you're thinking multiple thoughts, but really you're not. You got multiple things on your mind, and every time you think about one, what'd you do? You just took your mind off your other thing. That's called focus. So we can think we are multitaskers or multithinkers or whatever, but really, what are we doing? We're really taking our attention. It could be in one second or two seconds or 10 minutes or 20 minutes, but you're just moving from back and forth through different thoughts and different focuses. And what I want you to realize is you can only hold one thing at a time. And you got a choice. Am I going to hold on to unforgiveness? Am I going to hold on to anger? Am I going to hold on to offense? Or am I going to hold on to the peace of God? Am I going to hold on to the love of God? Am I going to hold on to the mercy of God or am I going to hold on to anger or hatred or bitterness? 
You see, see, the thing is, guys, if we want our hearts healed, and I talk to you each week about your heart, your heart is, is, is more than just your flesh. It's just more than an organ. Your heart is also your, where your spirit, the Bible talks about where your spirit, it doesn't just stay in your physical heart, but the Bible refers a lot to the heart of your, the center of your humanity, your spirit, who you really are in Christ. It also re, uh, focuses on your soul. Your, your heart refers to in the scriptures a lot of time as your soul, what, your thinking resource, your mind, your will, and your emotions, where you make your decisions from. So I got to decide what I'm going to read or listen to. I got to decide a matter about what I sum it up with and what I think about it. Then I got to decide an action. And so all these decisions take place and it, and it comes from this place of where of where uh, I take it in and then I release it in a healthy way. Here's the thing. You can only hold on to the promises of God or disappointment. When you're dealing with disappointment, you got to choose. And if you look at it, disappointment, over 85 people that proclaim to be atheists had a loved one or a friend, close friend, they were believing for to be healed that passed away and they couldn't understand it. And that drove him into this thing of it's easier to believe God doesn't exist than to think God doesn't care enough for me or my family or my friend. And what happens is people try to make excuses for God. And the way we try to make excuses for God, we'll take different scriptures out of the Bible and build some doctrine that's a false doctrine, like if it be the Lord's will to heal. Well, if it be the Lord's will, well, Jesus answered that in Matthew's gospel, chapter 8, or chapter 7 or 8, wherever he healed the leper when he said, Master, wilt thou make me whole? And he said, be thou made whole now. That's the only time he was asked if he would do it. So what I want you to realize is it's always his will to heal. And when we come to that place and we realize that it's always his will to release his promises, but if we're not careful, we allow disappointment to rob us of our belief, rob us of our faith, not believing that, you know, it's worse almost to believe God can heal, but he wouldn't heal for some reason for you. What does that do? That starts bringing disappointment. And I also notice that a lot of times people build doctrines and teachings trying to explain things that they don't understand. And, 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 and I know this, I prayed for a lot of people and they haven't been healed. But I prayed for a lot of people that have been healed. And the way I look at it, I can't look at the ones that I don't see healed because I know it's God's will to heal. I'm not here to figure it out. I'm here to pray for the next one and the next one because the more people I pray for to be healed will be healed. I'll see you just, just, just. Sherry, I didn't, I, I, I hugged you and you were walking out last week and I said, oh my goodness, look at it. Come here, come here, come here. Everybody saw you two weeks ago on a cane up here praying. Look at this girl now. Come on now. You tell me my God doesn't heal. Look at this. Look at this, man. She was limp. Come on. Look at her. She's doing a lot better. Look at her. No cane. Look at her. Come on. Lord, I just thank you for finishing it. Yes, Lord, you're a healer. Hey, she don't have the cane now. She's doing a lot better. We're just going to see the rest of it, God. We're just going to see the rest of it. We're just going to see the rest of it. We're just going to see the rest of it. We thank you, Father. You're a healer. You're a healer. You're a healer. You're a healer. You're a provider. You're a provider. Amen. Amen. Love you, girl. You're awesome. You're awesome. Amen. Amen. 
I may get into next week talking to you about the difference of compassion and just worry and all that. But, but, but Jesus had compassion, and every time he had compassion, he moved in miracles, signs, and wonders. And, and it's different than our emotion. Let me get to where I want to get to with you today. I wrapped up with this thought last week, but I wanted to finish it with you. The fourth key to, or step to healing our hearts or bringing healing is to what? Feed your heart correctly. You can feed your heart a lot of stuff, but is it the right stuff? You see, like Sean and Becky's testimony, what if that was being blasted over the news stations for 24 or 48 hours? What if they had them on there testifying, had their parents on there testifying? What kind of result would you receive versus let's find someone that disagrees about race or let's find someone that disagrees about this or that? You see, what happens is, what is it? And, and, and I feel sorry for our nation. I'm not, I'm not putting people down for what they believe. I'm just bummed because I know whatever we feed our heart is what it's going to think and it's what it's going to believe and it's what it's going to act on. And, and whenever I feed my mind, if I don't renew my mind with what God says and the good stuff, then I'm just going to believe this is just the way this old world is and it'll never change. So we got to come to a place to realize that we got to feed our heart Corrected, uh, correctly. Now here's the key. Here's a statement I gave you last week. Feed your heart on what God is doing, not what He's not doing or doesn't seem to be doing. Feed your heart on what God is doing, not what He's not doing or doesn't seem to be doing. Because there's things we ask for a lot of time we don't realize it could cost us our marriage, our health. It could cost us our finances and everything, and we just think it's the next blessing. And, and we think we didn't get an answer, but we got an answer, and he protected you. And then there's just other times we didn't get an answer, and it wasn't time for an answer, or maybe we didn't get the answer we wanted, so we didn't get an answer. Sometimes when God doesn't respond back so quickly, that's your answer, you know? And sometimes it takes time. So what I'm saying is don't stumble. Don't, well, you mean stumble, Pastor. Don't put your attention on it. That's what worry is. Worry produces anxiety, and anxiety produces fear, right? And then fear produces offense or anger or all the, how it all feeds on one another. So whatever, your mind is amazing. You are amazing. And whatever you put your attention on is what you're going to feel. And it's going to affect how you think. So don't stumble on the things like we said. You can't have peace if you're trying to figure it out all the time. Yeah, be wise and search a matter out, but trust the nature of God. When you don't understand it, I always come back. I call it the John 10, 10 line. That's what I do when I don't understand a matter and I prayed and I beat my head and some things I've beat my head over for years trying to figure out like, Lord, what's this formula? And you know what I got to do? I just got to say, wait a minute. Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy, but God came to give life and give life more abundantly. So, so I, I'm going to take the promise side. See, see, it's one thing to disagree, but it's another thing just to abort a matter. It's another thing just to, just to not even address it anymore. And so whenever we see this, I talk to you out of Matthew 6, at 6, 6, says, Jesus said this, but when you pray, do what? Go in your room, and when you have shut the door, 
prayer, communing, conversing with God, asking and receiving from God. When you go into your private place with God, it can be in your car, it can be in your room, it can be in your office during break, whatever. You can go into a place of privacy with God and start communing with him and having conversation with him and fellowship. And then what you do? You shut the door. What are you shutting the door on? You're shutting the door on unbelief. You're, you're shutting the door on anything that's against the nature of the Father. Come on, Jesus said it in Matthew 7. He, he, he said, look, he said, you all, you all, you fathers uh, that are evil love your children. How much more does your God, your good father, your heavenly father love his children? I mean, you're going to say that Dalton has more ability and capacity of love to love my sons than God does? So, so, so a lot of people don't even trust their children with God. And, and we got to come to a place where we got to know his nature to where we will offer up our children, our marriage, and our own life, our finances. We offer it all up because you know what? He can do a lot better with it than Dalton can. See, if I want to walk in peace and I want to walk with a healed heart and I want to walk in the nature of the Father, then I got to know his nature and I got to trust his nature. You see, when you see his ability and his power and his miracles, that, that's to get you interested. But it's really all about what he is and who he is in his nature. So when you go in, you shut the door. What? Then you pray to your father who is in the secret place. In, in other words, he's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's omnipotent, all-powerful. He's omnipresent everywhere all the time. Satan is none of those three. But God is. So, so, so. Why am I shutting a door and he'll meet me in my secret place? The reason being, that's the only place I can pick him up, that I can uh, really hear and see him, that I can really feel him, that I can get an unction. It's like when you pray to the Father who's in a secret place, your Father who sees in secret, what? then he'll reward you openly. But here's the thing, guys, in this room right now, you know, if you have a, a direct TV receiver or if you have a dish receiver or an FM radio or AM radio receiver, you could, you could listen to voices or music right now from California, from the West Coast right here. You, 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 could, you could watch Netflix or you could watch a movie if you have the right receiver right here. All that stuff is in the atmosphere right now in the unseen realm. And if you have the right receiver, you can tune in. Well, the secret place is when you take your mind and your attention and your focus and you bring it into the secret place, the unseen realm, and you offer it up to God and then God will, he will begin to reward you. He will begin to download things to you and he will begin to um, give you uh, things that you could never imagine on your own. Peace, peace on the front row of the funeral home, right? Peace at the hospital bed. Peace, man, when, you're, when your child goes down the road angry and you're just praying they make it back, okay. Peace, when you can't even understand it in your own mind. Other people say, aren't you worried to death in eastern Kentucky? I'm just worried to death. Worried to death. Man, that's great, a great confession. You keep on, you will. You'll be dead soon. It, it brings death. It doesn't only bring physical death, it brings death to relationships, to marriages, to careers, to ministries. Worry does produce death because worry gets your attention on something other than the nature of God. Mm. Hallelujah. 
So I, I wanted to get to this right here with you. Because I think when we start looking at our Hall, Hall of Fame people, we believe then just are so... Anybody in here believe John the Baptist was just amazing? I mean, wasn't he amazing? The one crying out in the wilderness. He walked away from all the fame and glory and riches from his own family and his father. And he was a miracle child. He was, and all that. The Bible says he's the only one other than Jesus that was baptized in the Holy Spirit before the Holy Spirit came officially when Jesus released him after he was ascended. Because in, in his mother's womb, Elizabeth, the cousin of Mary, in her womb and theirs, when they came together, they were the same age. When they came together, it says they were both leaping and full of the Holy Spirit in their bellies. Anyway, so, so, what I want you to realize today before we pray is this, that even John the Baptist struggled with disappointment. John the Baptist that baptized Jesus, that called Jesus out and knew he was the son of God. John the Baptist struggled with disappointment. Yeah. Let's look at it. Let's look at it. Look at me in Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. You see, John had already at this point received the revelation that Jesus was the Lamb of God, the Son of God. And he prophesied it, he baptized him. He was there when the heavens opened, the Holy Spirit came in the form of a dove upon Jesus and God's voice from heaven like thunder said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He saw it all. He even prophesied to Jesus, there's the one, you're the one, come down here, you're the one, the son of God. Before he even baptized him, he just, come on, you're the son of God. You're the lamb of God. I mean, man, what, what a man of God, right? Just eating locusts and wild honey, just out in the wilderness, having a revival, having a move of God. And you would think this guy's unbelievable. And then when he's arrested uh, in uh, Herod's uh, house and Herod loved him and he almost led Herod to the Lord, but his wife hated him. And she tricked him with her daughter, remember that, dancing, and Herod made this stupid agreement, and then he ended up having to behead John the Baptist. But right before he beheaded John the Baptist, John the Baptist is in prison. You know, he's in prison, now he's thinking, right? So you got to realize, Terry, when you're alone, you're not alone. We know that saying, David, when you're alone, you're not alone. But it's not just when you're alone, you're not alone, that you have the ability to have God there. Do you also know when you're alone, you're not alone, Satan's there too? The spirit of the Antichrist, the anti-anointing is everywhere. The spirit of Satan is everywhere. But here's the thing, he's under our feet. And you take people a lot that, that, that always know someone's a novice. Well, oh, I saw an evil spirit. I saw a demon. I saw three trying to come in over here. and five. I just know they're a novice. Because all they're seeing is little demonic imps. But if they saw the nature and the glory of God and how much greater and bigger he is, they would get off that kick and be glorifying God even in the face of the enemy and keep the devil under their feet. That's how worry gets up here. Fear gets in your heart and anger and all and hatred. It it gets in there. How does it get in there? It gets in there because we hold on to it. We give attention to it. It's our focus. But if you'll focus on the goodness of God, if you'll focus on who he is and what he's about, it will begin to transform your thinking to know his good and acceptable and perfect will. Right. It's good. 
Is this helping anyone? Let us know. So, so here we go. Now John, John's like, whew, he's starting to doubt. I mean, John the Baptist is doubting. I mean, normally he just cut my head off. I don't care, sucker. I'm out of here. See ya. Jesus has got this. Tag team, handoff, go Jesus. But not today. He's having one of those. Don't we all have those days? Lord, do you really know who I am? Are you my El Shaddai or my El Shundai? Because I feel like I'm being shunned. I don't feel like I'm being shined on. Amen. What are you, Lord? El Shaddai or El Shundai? I don't know. But, but we all go through those dark valleys. We all go through those times. And the question is, how long are you going to be in it? A few minutes? A day? A year? A decade? It's your choice. Because it's a matter of the heart. So we see here in Matthew 1, it says, Matthew 11, verse 1. It says, now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding the 12 disciples that he departed from there to preach in their cities. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ. Now, you got to always notice when it's using different articles to explain God. So here, Christ, Christos or Christos means the anointed one and his anointing. It's not only Lord or Savior, but right here it's talking about the anointed one. Hmm. Okay, so, so he, he, he's in prison and he, he heard in prison about the works of Christ. Well, he's here and he's raising the dead and healing the sick and opening blind eyes. So he sent two of his disciples and, and the disciples said to Jesus, and this is when Jesus had fed the 5,000 and all this is amazing and all that. And, and he said, they said this to Jesus. I mean, they're seeing all these miracles. And, and these two disciples said to Jesus, are you the coming one or do we look for another? Well, I don't know. He could have been rude to him, right? He could have, he could have said, well, you know, uh, wasn't your... The one that baptized you, John, my cousin, that called out who I am, that heard my father speak like thunder and saw the Holy Spirit manifest on my shoulder and the glory of God, and he's here. To... Wouldn't he just figure it out? Come on, man. Because John was a dead man before he ever went to prison. He was dead to the world and living on an eternal, he was already on his eternal ride. He could care less. It was all about eternity anyway. But even the guy that lived his life for eternity found himself in the temporary distracted and discouraged. Dissatisfied. That means dissed. You've been dissed, right? You've been connected from satisfaction. Dissatisfied. So it says, and, and, and he said, they said, are you the coming one? I mean, you know, isn't that the way we are? We know that God saved us and healed us and he done this, he done that. But sometimes we're like, well, God, I mean, you healed them and you healed me five years ago, but are you still my healer? Are you still my provider? How could the greatest of all Old Testament prophets, because that's what Jesus said about John the Baptist, how could the greatest of all Old Testament prophets doubt that this is the son of God I mean so maybe you're a little hard on yourself when you doubt maybe you overcorrect on the things you don't do perfectly what what if you took the things you do well and begin to give thanks for them what what if you begin to take the things that you're okay with and begin to give thanks for them because it's so easy to take one thing out of ten and beat ourselves up over it and then it brings discouragement and dissatisfaction and discontent and then disconnection from 
people or situations or organizations that we shouldn't disconnect from. So, so look at this. John was the last of the Old Covenant, the Old Testament prophets. And then look, let's jump down to verse 11, and then I'm going to come back to verse, verse 6 or so. But look at verse 11. It says in Matthew 11, verse 11, Jesus said this. Assuredly, now he's speaking to the thousands that stand there. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there is not risen one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. In other words, he was saying, all of you all, he just talked to his disciples. I'll go back to that in a minute. And they left. But now he's talking to 5,000 or more, you know, he's feeding and all. So he's talking to them, And he said, I just want you to know the least of the children of, of, the, of the New Testament kingdom kids will be greater than the last greatest prophet. Wow. What, what's that say about us? So maybe we don't tap into who we really are. Maybe we don't quite get that the Great Commission was not a great suggestion. Because I don't want to ask you right now, okay, I can say, how many of you are Christians? I'm Christian. How many have been baptized? I've been baptized. How many have been baptized in the Holy Spirit? I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. How many, then I say, how many of you had laid hands on one sick person and spoke healing over their lives? I didn't say hold their hand and let's pray that maybe God could possibly someday... No, I, I, I want to ask, how many have, have you laid hands and spoke healing over someone? How many in here have cast out devils instead of protecting them? So, so, so there, maybe there's some things we could learn as spirit-filled full gospel Christians, Holy Ghost Christians. That can't forgive somebody to go to church with. You're going to stand in front of God, maybe. And if you do make it, you're going, well, I, how was it? Well, I forgave 12,994 people. Well, how many didn't you forgive? Oh, just those two. They drove me crazy at church. That one offended me at that church. I went to this church. And that one offended me over there. But other than that, just thank God I'm at 99.8 success rate. I mean, is it the great commission or suggestion? If your heart's not right, we say, or healed, it might be a suggestion. So he's saying the least of the people in this room are greater than John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist was satisfied with the answer Jesus gave him and went out in glory and was beheaded. And he's a martyr. He's... The greatest prophet ever lived other than Jesus, right? So, so that's awesome. So it encourages us the fact that even though he got discouraged and disappointed, he worked through it. But God said, even with all that, you're greater than he is. It's true. See if I can say this right. It's true, Sherry, that every born-again believer is greater than John the Baptist in potential. But see, potential don't count a whole lot at game time. Because even the one that didn't look like they had potential could be greater, have a greater game than the one that had great potential. Sooner or later, saints of God, you got to come off the bench and stop talking about your potential. Yes. 
Well, someday I'm going to step my giving up. Someday I'm going to be more consistent and I'm going to serve at church. You know, someday I serve and I give, but someday, man, I'm going to start praying for people in the hospitals. You know, someday I'm going to visit the prisons and the jail. So, you know, someday to me is potential. And thank God for potential. But the reality is you'd rather have one that gets the most out of their potential than the one with the most potential that does less. I mean, God is the ultimate coach, right? The ultimate king. Even, this, this is the trap we fall into. I do too. I got to shake myself. I got to go into short fast at times and lock myself off. And sometimes Pastor Steph says, lock yourself off. Go Dalton up to your office. Go take a day. Whatever you got to do. Not to go hide from my stuff, but to go face my stuff. But I think we're similar to John. I, I, I think that John's attention was turned toward what God was not doing, Curtis, what God was not doing. Isn't it easy to, to look at, I didn't get that raise, I didn't get that recognition, I mean, I didn't get that thing I wanted for my home, or I didn't get this, and, and, and when we're looking at that, I didn't get it, so what am I doing? Now I'm focusing on what I don't have, or I think I don't have. Now I'm not trusting the nature of God. I can know his ability, but if I don't know his ability and trust his nature, I'm not going to receive it anyway. I'm not going to have faith to receive it because faith is knowing and trusting God. So the key is who has your attention? I mean, he released, he was, he, uh, he, he G, uh, John the Baptist prepared for the way, the one for the way, Jesus, who released the prisoners, healed the sick, raised the dead. Go to Luke 4, 18, and you'll see the mission statement of Jesus. But now let's look back in verse 4. Here's what, here's what Jesus said. I'm going to go back on you now. I went and told you verse 11 what he said about us. But now let's go back where he's wrapping up with these disciples of John. And this is a key for us, guys, right here. We need to live with this. He said, go report to John. You guys, go report to John what you hear and what you see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. So the way, listen now, here, this is, a, this is something that you need to learn. I need to, I need to do better. We all need to do better. I admit, what did he do? Jesus directed, he redirected John's attention to what John knew God was doing, not what he was concerned about that wasn't happening yet. Because John was probably thinking, well, you know, he's healing the sick, raising the dead and all that, but he, he hadn't taken over Jerusalem. He hadn't dethroned the Romans. I mean, I mean, is he really the King David? Is he really the son of God? I mean, I thought he was, but what did he do? He didn't tell John anything differently than what he knew. John knew that Jesus was healing the sick. John knew that he was casting out devils and raising the dead. He knew all that, but what happened? The most important word in that is not necessarily no, listen, listen to me, not no, but the word that is least conspicuous, redirect. You already know enough to get to heaven 10 times or 100 times. But you may not be getting the full potential. You may not be living the fullness of the promise and you got all this potential because you don't do what? Redirect. 
redirect your thoughts. Redirect your attention. Redirect is what? I can take it off where it's not happening and where I'm not seeing it. And I can start bringing over here into the gratitude area and start being thankful. And start giving thanks that you're breathing and that you still have another opportunity to repent. And start giving thanks that you got this and thanks for your family or whatever. Thanks for whatever it is that you're breathing air, man. Just thanks. Start giving thanks. What is it? Now I'm redirecting from what I'm worried about or afraid of and I'm giving my attention. And now that brings joy and thankfulness to my heart and faith to my heart. And then look what Jesus said down in verse 6 after he redirected them. And this is the key here. Jesus said this, blessed is he, tell John this, blessed is he who does not take offense at me. I've been offended at God preaching in this pulpit. So I can tell you, I know what being offended with God is. It's ugly and I'm embarrassed that... I was, but I was. I was offended with God. But I found a time and a place where God could help me see that, and I repented. And if I even feel a little inkling of dissatisfaction with God, I just start repenting, and I just get before God, and I start thanking him and giving gratitude and honor to him. Why? Why, guys? Why? You ever notice someone's offended at you, but if you confront them, I'm not offended at you, brother. I love you. You're amazing. <laughs> You're just amazing. Well, well, I heard you were offended. And you told, I talked to three different people come to me that I should come and talk to you. I just want to tell you, I'm sorry. You don't have anything to be sorry about. I love you. Well, well why don't I ever see you anymore? Well, you know, I'm busy and I'm, oh. What? Offense builds offense. And so it's important to redirect before you get offended. And if you do get offended, repent quickly. Repent quickly. Just just get over yourself and repent, man, because nothing's changing until you do. It's just going to get worse. Because you, you keep God from having the ability to bless you. Blessed is who? Not just anyone. I mean, that's not a tall order, right? Blessed is he. I want to be blessed, Patsy. How am I blessed? I want to be blessed. Uh, Don't get offended at God. Oh, that's easy. I got that, Mike. I I can do that. Oh, yeah. Walk through life a little while and be honest and transparent. I'm not talking about how you lie to your spouse or your friend, your cat, your dog. I'm I'm talking about really the truth, the true you. Oh, spiritual one. That, yeah, I say I got over a fence 10 years ago or 30 years ago. So what? The Bible says you're going to have opportunities to be offended. So you're, you're going to have another opportunity and you've had a bunch. That concerns me when you said you, weren't, you were offended 10 years ago and haven't been offended since, to be honest with you. Because we always have opportunities to be offended. But the worst offense we can have is with God. And so it's important for us. So I'm, I'm getting ready to pray with you. And, and before I do, there's two attitudes you need to think, take. One is what I just said. The attitude of thankfulness. Thankfulness. That we continually to thank God for who he is and what he's done. 
and to have a heart of thanksgiving, thanking him for the miracles and the stuff going on in and around us. And the second one is to have an attitude of hunger, to always be hungry. Always be hungry. I was, I was talking to someone the other day, and they said, man, I just really devoted myself to reading the Word every day and getting into it. And he's like, man, now I'm, I'm hungry. I just got to have it all the time. We, we keep praying for God to make us hungry, but we don't get hungry till we eat something. I mean, that's the ability of fasting. After you get by the third or fourth day, you don't have the hunger pains like you used to. You have hunger pains because you've been eating regularly. So if you're not in the word regularly, praying regularly, giving and serving regularly, loving regularly, forgiving regularly, then, then, then you're out of rhythm. And you're not going to be hungry for those things. But you'll jump on a negative news broadcast and post it and talk about it and drink it and eat it and smell it and pass it on. Roll in it. I mean, I, mean, I wish Christians would just put... 1% of the effort into one good thing they could post and one great thing they could post and finding the one, oh, the question or the hot, juicy thing. Well, it just tells me your attention's in the wrong place. Yeah. Well, it's just the truth. I saw it on the news. Oh, yeah. I heard a politician say it. Oh, yeah. I heard a preacher say it. Oh, yeah. You, you best... Take your opportunity to be a clarion call for the kingdom and to talk about the things you know God's done and the things he can do. Amen? So being thankful. So if I'm going to be thankful, then that's how I'm going to be hungry.